Welcome to the fourth episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of our podcast, our topics are the college football playoff semifinal review and a preview of the college football national championship game, the week in college basketball, the NFL playoff picture and predictions, and Patrick's 2020 year-end awards. Let's jump right in. Let's turn our attention to the college football playoff semifinal review and start with the Rose Bowl, which featured number one Alabama and number four Notre Dame, played in Arlington, Texas, with Alabama prevailing over Notre Dame 31-14. to Patrick had predicted Alabama 42-17 over Notre Dame. Patrick, your thoughts? Well, I would like to give myself a shout-out because until Notre Dame's late-game touchdown, my margin of this game was only off by one point. They got a late-game touchdown to take it from 31-7 to 31-14. But really, Alabama just rolled all over Notre Dame. Notre Dame couldn't really stop anything they were doing. Uh, Notre Dame had one nice eight-minute drive, but other than that, until you get into late fourth-quarter stuff, they really couldn't do much. And uh, it's just another case of Notre Dame's woes uh, in high-profile bowl games under Brian Kelly. Yeah, they've been outscored by Clemson and Alabama in their two playoff semifinals by a combined score of 61-17. Obviously, this score, and before in 2018, they lost 30-3. to That's their two playoff losses under Brian Kelly. And they're 0-7 in New Year's Six or BCS bowl games and playoff in the Brian Kelly era. Yeah, not-so-great appearances uh, for the Fighting Irish in their uh, playoff losses in the current format, and that doesn't include their 42-14 to loss to Alabama in the 2013 BCS championship game. So, uh, well, that'll be the wrap on the Alabama-Notre Dame game. As you said, not very competitive at all, not even as close as the score indicated. Uh, we did have the more intriguing matchup that it looked like heading into the, the weekend, the Sugar Bowl. Uh, number three, Ohio State defeated number two, Clemson, 49-28. to You gave yourself a little shout-out, Patrick. Uh, you... On the, on the Alabama-Notre Dame game, you had predicted Clemson 35-28. I'll uh, do a little bragging myself. Prior podcast, I had predicted that Ohio State would avenge last year's playoff loss to Clemson, and they did. Uh, Patrick, your thoughts on this game? Uh, first of all, I would like to say Justin Fields really outperformed my expectations, especially how he played in big games this year. In the two ranked games they played, he threw a combined five interceptions, He didn't really look that great. They were barely scraping by in those games. But in this game, he turned it up, six touchdowns. He even got injured during the game, but he still kept it up through a giant, giant 60-yard-in-the-air pass for a touchdown to Chris Olave, who had come back from COVID, and that really, really helped him in this game. Yeah, um, Ohio State got a bunch of key players back. That was one of the reasons why I thought they might have a chance here. Uh, is that they were going to get some key players back who were missing from the Big Ten championship game against Northwestern. Um, so on one side of the ball, Ohio State got some key returnees back. Um, and on the other side of the ball, Clemson had some key absences that did play a role in this game. Yeah, Nolan Turner got ejected for targeting in the ACC championship game against Notre Dame a few weeks ago. Very stupid penalty in this late second half when they were already, the game was pretty much already over. And uh, because of the way that targeting works, you get ejected for a full game. And if in and if the penalty occurs in the second half, you get ejected for the first half of the next game. So Nolan Turner was missing for this first half of this game going into that. That's their best safety. And uh, Skalski, their linebacker and their captain and quarterback of the defense, one could say, uh, 
he got ejected for targeting in the second quarter, so they were without one of those two guys for the entire game at some point. Yeah, and as you mentioned, Turner, a key signal caller, really the captain of the back end of their defense. Skalski, the signal caller at the linebacker position and missing one of two of them during the game for all the facets of the game uh, was, was, was really a negative thing for Clemson. Looked like they might get a good trade, Skalski, for Justin Fields because uh, that's the play in which uh, Fields got hurt, but uh, Fields was actually able to come back after missing only one play. Uh, really gutted things out uh, in the performance that you mentioned about uh, him in this game. So Yeah, could barely even take a little ride on the practice bike, but somehow managed to throw a 60-yard touchdown when he came back out. <laughs> yeah, I heard somebody say after the game they, they want to know what medicine was in that little red tent of Ohio State's to have him be able to gut it through the game. Um, we'll see how he feels next week. Let's turn our attention to next week's game, which is the uh, College Football Playoff Championship Final. Going to be played on January 11th at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. Number one, Alabama versus number three, Ohio State. Uh, we will be doing a more detailed preview of this as we get closer to the game in our upcoming podcast. But Patrick, let's talk briefly about some initial storylines for the championship game, starting with Ohio State. Yeah, we just talked about it a little bit. We don't know Justin Fields' health at the moment, uh, what that situation is, but he looks like he should be fine. He played well in the second half of the game, so looking fine for now. Yeah, obviously more information may leak out um, over the next week or so. I suspect we won't hear much and won't know until game time how healthy Justin Fields is. Also, some other potential injuries and absences for Ohio State. Master Teague missed a game with a concussion. They had some injuries on the offensive line, which forced a true freshman to start uh, into some replacement duty. Uh, And they had some key starters out on defense who may or may not be available uh, due to COVID protocols. So we will see how Ohio State's health looks uh, in the coming week. How about on the Alabama side of the ball, Patrick? Uh, what's a key storyline heading into this game? Yeah, their offensive coordinator and uh, play caller, Steve Sarkeesian, got hired recently, actually today, as the head coach of Texas. And we'll see how that impacts their planning. Who knows if that means he'll go even crazier on the planning to give a last hurrah at Alabama. Who knows if that'll slow him down a little bit because he's thinking ahead. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, if there's any program that's equipped to handle these kind of uh, coaching transitions, it seems like Alabama has something like this happen to them every year, but we will see uh, what happens with that storyline and others in the coming week in our future podcasts, uh, where we'll have a detailed preview of the championship game, a full recap of the bowl game season, including how Patrick's bowl game predictions fared, uh, and you can take a look at Patrick's bowl game predictions to see how he's done in the interim on our website at 4thand24.com. Let's turn our attention from college football to the week in college basketball uh, with a brief look back at some notable games from the past week. We'll start with unranked Maryland upsetting number 6 Wisconsin 70-64 to on Monday. Yeah, I don't think this upset happens if there are fans in the stands. This is an impossible place to win on the road no matter how good you are at Wisconsin. Uh, Maryland had come into this game losing three out of four, so this is very, very shocking. And also another Big Ten shocker, uh, number 21 Minnesota hammered Michigan State, ranked number 17 going into the game, 81-56 to at the barn in Minneapolis. Patrick, your thoughts on this game? Uh, Michigan State's really not looking good right now. I mean, they, they, they've struggled to find rhythm on the offensive end. Their defense is failing them to to play that complimentary style. They don't really have a style or an identity right now as a team whatsoever. They're just struggling everywhere. Yeah, this game was really never even close. In ACC action on Tuesday, unranked Clemson 
defeated number 18 Florida State 77 to 67. Clemson had a really, really strong start to the season and uh, vaulted into the rankings. They got dropped out of the rankings after a loss to Virginia Tech. And Florida State has had some good wins this year, too, but Clemson ends up pulling out the win in this one. Also on Tuesday night, number 10, Iowa defeated number 19, Northwestern, 87-72. Yeah, Northwestern was a hot team, especially for the AP poll. They went from completely unranked, not even receiving a vote, to number 19 in the country. And Iowa quickly put that down and said, hey, don't overreact to them beating Ohio State and Michigan State. Look at us instead. And another upset on Tuesday night, unranked Tulsa beat number 5, Houston, a crazy game, 65-64. Yeah, Houston came into the end of this game trailing right up until the last minute, so they had a tough situation to even make this a one-point game, and then they fouled the shooter on the last play of the game, and Tulsa hit their free throws to win the game. Yeah, really unfortunate ending to the game for Houston. Uh, number 7, Tennessee defeated number 12, Missouri, 73-53 on Wednesday. Another team like Northwestern, uh, that being Missouri, that I feel like maybe the pollsters overreacted to a little bit. They beat Illinois and all of a sudden went from unranked to number 16 in the country. They're up to number 12, but they had really only played one good team all year. And Tennessee came out to prove that they are the kings of the SEC right now, and they destroyed them in this game. On Thursday, number 16 Michigan stays undefeated, beating Maryland in Maryland 84-73. Yeah, this game is important because Maryland came in. They had their struggles before, but they were coming off that big win over Wisconsin. Uh, Michigan hasn't lost this season. They are now the only team that is undefeated in Big Ten Conference play and the leaders of the conference. And Maryland uh, shot the lights out from three-point range, and despite that, Michigan managed to hold them off on the road. We'll see whether that would have happened again uh, if there were fans in the stands. But another Big Ten action also on Thursday night. The aforementioned number six, Wisconsin, rebounds from a loss to Maryland, defeating number 21, Minnesota, 71-59. Yeah, the teams flipped roles from their uh, Monday games in this one. Wisconsin went from the team losing, and Minnesota going from the team hammering somebody to getting hammered by Wisconsin. This game was also not really close, and Wisconsin clearly came out with a chip on their shoulder, not ready to take any more teams for granted after losing to Maryland. Yeah, we talked previously about the strength of the Big Ten Conference with some pundits predicting 11 NCAA tournament bids for this conference. You're going to see a lot of this throughout the season. Uh, ranked teams get, winning one night or getting upset the next and, and rebounding. So just be a very, very interesting season, a very, very competitive Big Ten Conference. Um, in another conference that's usually very competitive, uh, it's the ACC. We had three big-time postponements this week due to COVID, uh, two of them involving Duke, number 20 Duke, against num- uh, unranked Pittsburgh was postponed, as was Duke's potential matchup with number 18 Florida State. And then uh, in between those two postponed games, another high-profile matchup, number 24 Virginia Tech versus number 23 Virginia was also postponed. Um, with Duke's postponements, it means that the Blue Devils haven't played a game since December 16th. So we'll keep an eye on the impact of COVID on conference schedules, both in the ACC and elsewhere, something, a storyline that will just kind of continue to play out over the course of the season. Um, Let's cap off our review of the week, Patrick, by giving us your player of the week. Yeah, most of the big teams only played one game this week, so thus I'm just going off that one result in that one big game. I'm going to give it to, no bias here, just objectively the best player of the week, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. 26 points, 11 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 block, only 3 turnovers. He shot 10 of 11 from the field and 6 of 7 from the free throw line. Absolutely dominated this game. 
gave Michigan the post presence they needed against Maryland to win that game. Yeah, the the true center, uh, the true freshman center for Michigan, had a great performance in a homecoming. Uh, came out of the D.C. area. You meant you didn't mention his stats line. His one technical foul also for apparently taunting the uh, Maryland bench that maybe didn't recruit him or slighted him somehow. In any event, uh, that's the week in college basketball. Uh, you can get Patrick's updated NCAA bracket predictions later today on our website, fourthand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, and the number 24.com. Now let's turn our attention to the NFL. The playoff picture will come into focus after Week 17's action. Uh, let's start with the AFC playoff picture. Kansas City Chiefs are in the playoffs in the AFC and have clinched the number one seed, which is important this year because it gives you the only first-round buy of the playoffs due to playoff expansion. The Buffalo Bills in the east and the Pittsburgh Steelers in the north have clinched their divisions and are currently the number two and three seeds, respectively. While the AFC South title and the corresponding number four seed in the AFC playoffs remains up for grabs. Yeah, the Titans will get this spot if they win at the Houston Texans or if the Colts lose to the Jaguars at home. I would say that that, that one's a very unlikely scenario. Um, the Colts would get this if the Titans lose and they win. And the AFC wildcard has five potential teams vying for three open spots with multiple scenarios depending on the outcomes of uh, Week 17's games. You have the Titans or Colts, whoever wasn't the division winner, uh, up for one of those three spots, along with the Dolphins, the Ravens, and the Browns. Patrick, what are your predictions for the games that impact these three wildcard spots? Yeah, like I kind of alluded at earlier, I don't think the Colts have a path to winning the division. The Titans are playing... The Texans and the Colts are playing the Jaguars. They're both playing very, very weak teams. So I think the Titans and the Colts will win. I think the Bills will be able to beat the Dolphins due to the inavailability of the closer of football, because that is just so 2020. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think the Ravens will beat the Bengals. Again, another strong team playing another weak team. And I think the Browns will beat the Steelers due to the Steelers basically resting all their starters and especially resting Big Ben. Uh, well, if those playoff uh, predictions, those Week 17 predictions hold true, that means the AFC playoff bracket will look like this. The number one Kansas City Chiefs uh, obviously already clinched a bye, as we mentioned. Then number two seed would go to Buffalo, who would host the number seven Indianapolis Colts. Um, the number three Pittsburgh Steelers would host the number six Cleveland Browns. And the battle of five and four would be the Baltimore Ravens, with the highest wild card spot at the Tennessee Titans, the number four seed in the AFC. Turning our attention to Week 17 action in the NFC and the NFC playoff picture in particular, the Packers in the North, the Saints in the South, and the Seahawks in the NFC West have clinched their respective divisions, um, while all of them are still eligible to get that uh, coveted number one seed and the first round bye. The Packers will clinch this with a win at Chicago or a Seattle loss to San Francisco due to their tiebreaker over the Saints for a Week 3 win. The Saints need the Packers to lose, and they need a win at the Panthers, and they also need Seattle to beat San Francisco. Seattle would clinch it with a Packers loss, a New Orleans loss, and winning on their own. Uh, whereas the number one seed is sort of up for grabs with those three teams vying for it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have secured a wild card spot likely the number five seed in the playoffs. And then we have the race for the NFC East title and the fourth seed in the playoffs. 
Yeah, this one is uh, an interesting scenario. No matter what, a team with a losing record will be walking into the playoffs as the four seed. If the Washington football team wins, they would clinch the East with a 7-9 record. If Washington loses, the winner of the Cowboys-Giants game wins the division, which means a 6-10 Giants team can win the division and be the number four seed in the NFC with a Washington loss and their own win. Also, the Cowboys have lost twice this year to Washington and could still somehow end up beating them for the division. Yeah, the NFC East scenario, so 2020. Um, whoever wins the NFC East actually plays the fifth seed in the NFC, the highest wildcard team, meaning uh, that this year finishing as the best wildcard will get you an easier first-round opponent than winning your division and being a number two or a number three seed. Again, just more of 2020 rearing its head as we are uh, here in the opening days of 2021. With Tampa Bay having clinched a wildcard spot in the NFC already, we have the Rams, the Bears, and the Arizona Cardinals vying for the remaining two wildcard spots in the NFC. Yep, the Cardinals are in with a win over the Rams. The Rams are in with a win over the Cardinals or a Bears loss to the Packers. And the Bears are in with a win over the Packers or a Cardinals loss. Well, Patrick, what are your predictions for the uh, games that impact the NFC playoff picture? Yeah, I have the Cowboys beating the Giants and having a possibility going into the Sunday night game to win the NFC East. But I believe that Washington will beat the Eagles on Sunday night to make that game result irrelevant in the end. In the other games, I have the Cardinals beating the backup quarterback uh, having Rams. But I do have the Packers beating the Bears, which would allow the Rams to still stay in the playoffs. Yeah, so uh, Patrick, if your predictions are correct, uh, the NFC playoff bracket would look like this. Number one, Green Bay Packers getting that first round by. The number two, New Orleans Saints would host the number seven, LA Rams, who get in by virtue of the Packers clinching that number one seed with the win over the Bears. Uh, the number three, Seattle Seahawks would host the number six, Arizona Cardinals. And the number five, Tampa Bay Buccaneers would get the easiest first round game at the number four Washington football team. So there are a lot of meaningful games in week 17. We will have a recap of all the key action and a first look at the actual playoff matchups in our next podcast. With the start of 2021 upon us, we thought we'd take a little look in the rearview mirror at 2020 with Patrick's year-end awards. Patrick, let's start with your award for Professional Athlete of the Year. Yeah, this one in my head is a close one between LeBron James and Patrick Mahomes, the winners of the two most important championships. But I'm going to have to go with LeBron. I think the bubble performance was amazing. He won his fourth NBA Finals uh, championship for his third team in his career. Obviously, the first one's coming on the Heat and then the Cavaliers, actually beating his former team, the Heat, in this one. Uh, I also think he should have won the regular season MVP, but that's a different story. How about your college athlete of the year? My college athlete of the year is going to be Luca Garza. Reason being, he has had an amazing stretch upon the last two seasons. Um, 16 straight games of 20-plus points at the end of the 2019-2020 campaign before everything was shut down. He was the Big Ten Player of the Year, a first-team All-American. And heading into this season, he was a preseason first-team All-American uh, and the Wooden Award favorite, and he's continued that performance this year to start with. Is he done at Iowa? It seems like he's been there for seven years. Is this his last season? I think so. I think I think he I think this is his fourth. But I mean, who knows? He declared for the NBA draft last year and came back. So who knows if he can pull some more magic? Yeah, well, I know other Big Ten teams will be happy to see him graduate and move on. Uh, how about your overall team of the year? 
It's the Kansas City Chiefs. This one's an obvious choice. They went 17-1 in the calendar year of 2020, including a 3-0 playoff run for a Super Bowl victory, and obviously in this regular season, or 14-1 having clinched the one seed, just pure dominance from this team. How about your comeback player of the year? It's got to be Alex Smith. He had an injury that should have pretty much ended his career. He was a few minutes away from having his left leg amputated. He has had injuries on that left leg this year that he has had to recover. All around, he is the comeback player of the year. Crazy injuries, and somehow he has Washington in playoff contention after picking number two overall last year. Yeah, actually, kudos to the Washington Football Club for keeping him on the roster and uh, having faith in his comeback, and that faith's been rewarded. How about your most improved player? Yeah, there are a lot of candidates for this one, especially in the NBA uh, and the NFL. There are a lot of players who were playing decently as young guys and turned into MVP caliber players. Honorable mentions to Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo. Uh, but I got to go with Josh Allen. He went from 3,000 yards to 4,000 yards, from 20 to 9 in touchdown to interception ratio to 30 to 9, and from a 47.9 QBR to an 81.6 QBR on an individual level. And as everybody loves to talk about with quarterbacks, the leader of their teams, he went from a 10-6 wildcard team with a first-round exit last year to the Houston Texans to a 12-3 divisional winner that now has Super Bowl hopes, not to mention he is in my top three, at least, for the NFL MVP this year. And um, I'll get in the action here a little bit, not an official category, but uh, I'll throw out a most improved team, and that being the San Diego Padres. Um, A healthy Fernando Tatis paired with Manny Machado, Further development of their young talent and then some late-season trades made them a playoff team and a true World Series contender and, frankly, one of the most entertaining teams in baseball. Uh, And they very well may be the most improved team in 21 as well, given that they've augmented their 2020 improvement with significant additions to their starting rotation, adding Blake Snell and Hugh Darvish in the offseason. So uh, we'll see what happens there next year. And before you say that about the Padres, go on your home team Dodgers and talk about their front office and their late season additions and off season additions with Mookie Betts. I mean, that's the best front office in baseball right there. Well, again, our biases come out. I agree with you, Patrick, and uh, be very interesting battle here in Southern California between the Padres and the Dodgers when Major League Baseball action heats up again here in a couple months. Um, We'll get to that in a few months, but in the interim, we still have some football to deal with here. We've got the college football championship coming up in a week. Um, We have the NFL playoffs coming. We'll be looking back at week 17 of the NFL on our next podcast on Monday, January 4th. Uh, We'll also have an in-depth review of NBA action. Uh, So be sure to tune in uh, for our next podcast, again, that we'll release on Monday, January 4th. In the meantime, be sure to submit any questions or comments you might have, uh, topics you'd like to hear us discuss here to our website, and also check out Patrick's additional content, which is on our website again at 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. That additional content includes Patrick's NCAA tournament bracket predictions and his complete college football bowl game pick. So thanks again for tuning in, and we appreciate your support.